Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into a special edition of Hoopsville on this Monday, December 3rd. Thank you for tuning in and hope you'll enjoy this one. Forgive me if I maybe make some soccer references. My brain a little bit tired. You've reached Hoopsville. If you've got questions for us, you can always tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. You can also email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com, or join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. Lots of ways to chat with us, and we hope you'll take advantage of them because we love hearing from you and everybody else out there. It's been a little while since we were on the air, uh, Sunday after Thanksgiving, if anybody's counting at home. A little bit tied up with the Division Three Soccer Championships held in Greensboro, North Carolina this season. Um, second year in a row. They'll be there three more years. Excuse me. Cold, I can't seem to be getting over the travel and schedule for the uh, soccer didn't help me either with that uh, attempt. Anyway, um, congratulations to the williams Eves on the women's side for back-to-back national championships, third in four years, from a program that arguably wasn't probably expected to get there. Uh, maybe not expected. I mean, they're so good that you maybe expect them to find a way, but they certainly didn't expect to have such a great year. Uh, with the retooling of that program, they they win it in uh, penalty kicks. The only game that went overtime, the only game that went to penalty kicks the entire weekend, which is saying something. And then congratulations to Tufts, third championship in five years on the men's side. And uh, my heart goes out to Calvin, 0 for 4 now in national championships, the last two coming against Tufts in the last three years. Um, I suspect the Knights will break through. Ryan Souders, if you're watching, hello, sir. Uh, fan of the show and of basketball, we I appreciate his uh, kind words this weekend. Everybody's, um, but a nice chat with him and the other coaches when we got the opportunity. Congratulations, to those teams, and then on the football side, congratulations to Johns Hopkins, who will be facing Mount Union. Congratulations to the Purple Raiders, and congratulations to Whitewater, who will take on Mary Harden Baylor. Congratulations to the crew. Three of those four we're pretty used to talking about in football. Uh, Hopkins certainly a new one in the semifinals, but deservedly so. Congratulations to all four. They'll be playing the semifinals this coming weekend. Stag Bowl uh, after that. So there you go. We got we got all that taken care of. In the meantime, oh, have you seen the carnage? Uh, it it, it uh, continues in Division Three men's and women's basketball. Maybe a little less in women's basketball than we've seen it in the past. Uh, there were a total of, uh, was it five losses? Excuse me. Five losses on the women's side in the past uh, between top 25 polls. Another top 25 will come out tonight. Uh, East Texas Baptist, though, lost to a ranked team in Mary Harden Baylor. Christopher Newport lost to a ranked team in Messiah. Uh, Emory and Henry, though, lost to Washington and Lee. That's a little bit of a surprise. Whitewater lost to a ranked team in Thomas Moore. And then Austin lost to Millsaps. So maybe not as much carnage on the women's side, but still some losses. And those receiving votes, DeSales lost twice, including to Sage. 74-73. This is a DeSales team that got out to a 4-0 start and gave Scranton, number eight team, all it could handle. And then dispatched Gwinnett Mercy rather easily. So them losing to Sage kind of jumps out to me as an interesting maybe one-off, but still surprising nonetheless, maybe looking ahead at exams. Uh, Wheaton lost to Chicago, ranked, so no surprise there. Harden-Simmons lost to Bellhaven. In double over or in overtime, a little surprising. Ohio Northern lost to Mount Union. Both teams getting votes. Johns Hopkins lost to Gettysburg, who's in the top twenty. Okay, uh, not overly surprising, but the Hopkins' first loss of the season. 
handled Washington College rather easily, though. Uh, Oyana lost to Hartwick, so that's a little bit of a surprise. So an interesting, interesting results on the women's side. On the men's side, though, Stevens Point and Augustana, if you did not get a chance to watch that game, that was a thriller. We talked about it on the last show. Uh, did we? No, we didn't. I talked about it somewhere. Oh, probably on the boards. Uh, Evil's uh, layup and then the, the steal. Outstanding. Now I'm wondering if I got the old one here. No, Stevens Point, four. I don't have the old one. Um... Wittenberg uh, losing to Marietta, an interesting result there. Uh, I think maybe we're, we're going to have to keep watching Wittenberg. I'm wondering if even I've overraked Wittenberg and maybe have a different thought on what they could be this season. Uh, Swarthmore lost twice this season, uh, this week. Johns Hopkins and Franklin Marshall, both of them coming on buzzer beater shots. Uh, Swarthmore maybe not as good as, as, as some people expect. I don't have them at eight. I can tell you that much. I know you haven't seen my first poll uh that's because basically i've been a little bit too busy but um i'm a little surprised maybe at swarthmore sitting in the eighth spot it feels uh it feels high to me um for lack of a better description uh we'll keep an eye on the chat rooms i, I meant to dive in there and i apologize i had not done that as of yet um calling it up as we speak we're streaming simulcast on facebook as well Thank you for all of you who have tuned in to tu watch. Uh, here we go. See if anybody of you comment. I haven't seen any comments as of yet. Uh, Chris Graves joining the program. Thank you, sir. Appreciate your uh, attention to detail to watch the show. <laughs> I'm having a little fun, am I not? Uh, we'll talk about some other things here. Um, so Swarthmore losing twice. I don't, I don't have them that high. Middlebury lost to Keene State over the weekend. Keene State's good, but if Middlebury's as good as we think it is, that shouldn't be a loss, um, especially at home. I believe that was a home game. Uh, Wheaton lost twice, not only to Chicago, but also North Park. So this Wheaton squad that came you know, blasting out of the gates suddenly has stumbled, which has surprised a lot of people. Loris lost to Dubuque, but then their Buena Vista game due to a, a snowstorm got called off. Uh, speaking of a snowstorm... Um, Wisconsin lacrosse men's basketball heading home from Central, where they had lost a game, went off the road in their bus and nearly tipped over on Interstate 35. Uh, they have a cabling-type system instead of the barrier system um, in, uh, in that area of Ohio. I mean, I'm sorry, Iowa. And that is being credited for holding on to the bus by design to keep it from toppling over. As a result, I believe I read one person taken to the hospital due to injuries. No idea who, what, where, when, et cetera, or why. Uh, but if that barrier system doesn't hold or isn't there or whatever system they have in place, and it was right underneath an underpass, which was really strange, uh, if that system's not there, that bus, from what I could tell in the pictures, is off the road, down an embankment, and in not great shape. And we probably are talking about a lot of injuries and hopefully not worse. So um, scary moment. I saw a picture of the lacrosse basketball team. I think it was from that evening. They all were smiles on the bus, but I wouldn't have been smiles. Uh, they were picked up by a, a school bus in the area, taken to a local hotel, spent the night, I assume. Uh, they spent the night uh, and are already back home by this point in time when we're talking. But in scary moment. Uh, just shows you just how dangerous it is sometimes for these teams traveling and 
You know, it's sometimes why I, when I'm having a conversation with people about travel in, in Division Three, I point out, yeah, New England doesn't have the longer trips like they do in Texas, but they got to deal with the weather. Well, it's a hybrid in the Midwest. They've got longer trips than they have in New England, not as long as they have in Texas maybe, but there's a lot of weather involved, and it certainly makes for some scary moments, and we're glad nobody was hurt in that. Christopher Newport lost to Lynchburg, which was a, a bit of a surprise only because of how Christopher Newport seemed to be playing. Handled Shenandoah easily, uh, defeated Randolph easily. Of course, remember, they got the big upset uh, earlier um, last week. And they will be taking on Randolph-Macon coming up. Emory lost to Swanee. That one is a head-scratcher for an Emory squad. But maybe it's not. Here's, here's where I'm getting stuck. I'm getting stuck between what we expect from programs, what we've gotten used to from programs, or maybe when we've had naysayer thoughts, the program disputes them early in the season. You're like, oh, so maybe I was wrong about them. They're going to be pretty good. Then they take a loss like Emory does to Swanee. You go, oh, well, what's going on there? That makes no sense. Well, no, let's go back to our original thought. And in my case, I, I didn't have Emory on my top 25. <clears throat> so maybe maybe that loss to Swanee is expected. Maybe, maybe that loss to Swanee is something we should be used to. So... To some degree, I think we have to reset our thinking uh, to, uh, on a lot of these teams. You know, Wheaton came gunning out of the box, certainly played well. I ranked them. I'll admit it. Uh, I put them in my top 25. Where did I put them? I put them 12th. Um, I thought they had had some solid results in there and were better, of course, under Francis. And I pointed out my concern that he's taking too many shots, that the rest of the team needs to get involved. But still, playing well. So, you know, I don't know what to, to make of it. And then they go and drop two. Now, one to a really good Chicago team, but they lost by 30. And the other one's a loss to North Park by three. Well, North Park's not exactly supposed to be the world beaters in the conference if you talk to those in the conference. So what's going on with Wheaton? Is that a reset back to what we were expecting in the first place? And, and we have to stop overreacting to big wins especially in a in a time of parity in division three maybe we do have to stop um maybe that those law we have to expect losses that are head scratchers and and this is where i get on in the top 25 we'll see one later we'll talk to ryan scott later in the show too i'm blown away by overreactions from some voters i don't know who we talked to Bob Quillman on the last show talking about, okay, we can't overreact to some of these results. In my top five, I had four losses by four teams. In my top seven, this is my preseason ballot, I had I had five losses. In my top nine, I had seven losses. I didn't overreact. Heck, three of my top five moved up a spot. I took Whitworth, went from two to or three to two, despite their loss to Texas Dallas. Augustana went from four to three, despite their loss to Loris. Oshkosh went from five to four, despite their loss to Wheaton. I moved Wheat, uh, Whitman two down to five because I felt the loss to Pomona Pitzer was the the more significant loss of those four. Now I didn't go and rank Pomona Pitzer, but interestingly enough, enough voters did to put Pomona Pitzer twenty fifth, and then we have a quote unquote upset when Wash U defeats Pomona Pitzer. And I'm saying, quote-unquote, air quotes, upset, because do we really think Pomona Pitzer 
on paper at the start of this year or even a week ago was a program that would beat Wash U, even if Wash U's retooling? I, I certainly didn't. But suddenly because they beat Whitman, they're 25, and now that's an upset because they lost to Wash U? I think we have to stop overreacting a little bit. Now, that does not mean you don't take a harsh look at some of your teams on your ballot and make harsh decisions. I dropped Springfield significantly. Probably should have removed them and will now. Maryville was in my 13th slot in the preseason top 25. One in three when I voted last week. I took them out. Platteville was one and two in the 15th slot in my preseason ballot. I took them out. St. Olaf was in my 19th slot. I took him out. Roanoke, unfortunately, in my 24th slot, strong, okay start. I still removed him. You need to make some tough decisions. But I don't think the rest of it has to be an overreaction. Again, Whitman dropped four spots because I thought the loss to Pomona Pitcher was more significant than the others. But I didn't suddenly jump Williams, who was in my eighth spot, to the number two spot. I didn't suddenly jump Hamilton, who was in my 10 spot, to number three. They went to seven and eight, respectively. I made some significant moves. I did react to Wheaton and Loris, and maybe that's my mistake. Maybe I shouldn't have put Wheaton into the 12 hole and Loris into the 13 hole. But I also didn't base it on one result. I also based it on what I had seen. So that's an overreaction maybe on my part that I need to reconsider. So, I, I again, Swarthmore, I've got last week in the 18 slot, and yet they're eight in the top 25. And I'm not saying that I'm right. What I'm trying to say is I feel we overreact to undefeated teams. We overreact to single results. And sometimes we overresult in the beginning of the year. Now, the last part I think is the most important. We are trying to figure out who's the best teams in the in the country, in the top 25, and sometimes undefeated teams and big results are going to stand out, and it's hard to ignore those. And that's where I think it's a catch-22. And again, I could be just as at fault here as others. So we'll see where this, this pans out. But what I'm getting at is some of these results, Swanee beating Emory, maybe that's not as big a surprise as we thought it would be. New Jersey City losing to William Patterson, now that is a surprise. Because we do have high expectations of New Jersey City, and they should be better. But they're not this season. They're not early on. They're going to fall out of the top 25, and deservedly so, and I'm going to drop them. Now, interesting, they're 24th. I've got them 14th. So there's a combination where I've got them on the other side of that of that look from other voters. And I think that's other voters not buying into the NJAC, and I get that. I'm starting to buy into the NJAC, I think, more than other voters. But New Jersey City carrying the flag is starting to become a problem. Other teams that lost that were receiving votes, John Carroll lost to Marietta. Springfield lost to Becker. That's where I point out we, I'll be removing Springfield from my top 25. Endicott lost to Nichols. No surprise in my book. Uh, Nazareth lost to Oswego State. That is a surprise in my book. Emory and Henry lost twice. Lynchburg and Randolph-Macon. They're now 6-2. and two. Ramapo lost to Montclair State. Montclair State, that could be a really good program. Penn State Baron lost to LaRoche. A little bit of a surprise, maybe. Aurora, well, you know, I don't think that is a little bit of a surprise. Aurora losing to Wisconsin Lutheran, okay. Maryville losing again. They're now 3-4. and four. They at least got wins over Greensboro and Methodist, but they started the season 1-4. and four. So, again, an interesting situation with the top 25. We'll talk more about it with Ryan Scott later in the program. Who else is on the show? Well, 
We will talk to uh, several other coaches uh, in the program. Ah, I forgot to call up the, uh, the stream here. I apologize. I wanted to call up the chat channel here. See if anybody's made comments. Good morning, Aunt BJ. Love watching the show. Appreciate it. Hello, Andrew. Hope has a big game Saturday. Everybody has a big game. Let's be honest, Andrew. But Hope, I'm double-checking. Hope is 25th on my ballot. Uh, they were idle this week, so the big I would call it a big game because they've been quiet for a week, but i got to double-check who they're playing, um, to be fair. Here we go. I'm just getting to the, uh, the show here so I can uh, double-check if anybody's made any comments. Appreciate all of you who have participated. Daryl Duncan, looks like a good show this morning, but I must get to work. Oh, Daryl. Daryl, Daryl. Watch us on the way. <laughs> All right, so guests that we have on the show, we will be talking to Mary Harden-Baylor women's basketball coach Mark Moorfield here shortly in a couple of minutes. Also talking to Chris Huffman of DePaul women's basketball. Win number 600. Several significant wins on the women's basketball side of things. We will talk to Chris Huffman about number 600. And, of course, the DePaul program, which is low-octane this year, and I mean that in a good way. Their defense looks really, really solid this season. Also talked to Randolph-Macon men's basketball coach Josh Merkel. That program off to a blistering 9-0 start. We'll see if it's an overreaction to be buying in on the Yellow Jackets. And then Ryan Scott, as I mentioned, will be joining me later in the program. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll get things going down in the heart of Texas. Their men's basketball, women's basketball coach, Mark Moorfield, joins us. You listen to Hoops, presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC studios. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. More Hoopsville after this. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I play because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up to make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us to be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us, to, to stop, stop sexual, sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. 
nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I see you. Welcome into Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the program on this Monday morning, rare Monday morning show. Just a scheduling note, as we've had some craziness in the last few um, weeks with the programming. Obviously, didn't have a show last Thursday due to my traveling to Greensboro, North Carolina for the soccer championships. Very glad I didn't try and put one together for you folks as much as I love doing that. I didn't have time. And then Sunday, we didn't have it because I was traveling back with another gig on the way home. Uh, didn't arrive home until well after the show would have begun to begin with. Uh, but um, that's why we're on this Monday morning. The rest of the way for the holidays, pretty much going to stay on track and most of the rest of the season. Thursdays and Sunday evenings at 7 o'clock. There may be an occasional adjustment to that. Like the last show this December, we may decide to go midday just to uh, kind of have a nice send-off on the holidays. But stay with us on Twitter, Facebook, and elsewhere as we uh, break that all down, as they say. If you got questions, again, for us or our guests at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville on the Twitter account, you can also email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. We have everything up and running, and uh, we hope uh, you'll take full advantage of it. Women's basketball, as we mentioned, uh, one of the stories is out of Texas. Two teams ranked for the very first time in Austin and Mary Harden-Baylor. Mary Harden-Baylor with a big win over East Texas Baptist, who's climbing the poles and looking pretty um, solid, for lack of a better description. So I figured I got a lot of choices in Texas. That's good because sometimes we don't, and we talk to the same old, same old every year. I wanted to break things up. Another thing that I wanted to figure out was, hey, that's interesting. Mary Harden-Baylor happens to be in the football semifinals, to nobody's surprise. Well, why don't we talk to one of those four, right? So joining us on the city of, or joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is the head coach of Mary Harden-Baylor. It is Mark Moorefield. And, sir, thanks for taking the time to join us. Well, thank you for having us on. Absolutely. Um, really intriguing um, when looking at your squad. Uh, at what you've been able to do, what has been the success to get yourselves not only ranked, um, but the win over East Texas Baptist? It, I don't want to say it feels sudden for the crew, but you guys have seemingly maybe come out from under the radar a little bit. Yeah, I think it's just, you know, this year's team is just really a selfless team. Um, they, they have really bought into our culture of just playing for each other and, and being all in. Um, as a family and so forth. And so they've really, they've really bought in. Um, I, I think too, is you know, going into our fourth year, um, uh, the coaching staff into the program, uh, we're starting to now get players that have, you know, at least been in the program for a couple of years. Um, Kendall Rollins and Alicia Blackwell, now our juniors, Hannah Holt is in her second year. Um, and we're probably having a little bit more depth than we've experienced um, in our first three years. Uh, and so I think those are all some, different components that play into us being able to have some success. And obviously I think too, with East Texas Baptist game, there's a little bit of motivation there um, playing them last year in the ASC championship game um, and, and being up with 14 by one point with 14 seconds to go. And, and obviously, and then ending up losing that game. And so I think there was a little bit extra motivation for our returners to come back and just, you know, that, that game kind of meant something to them. Doesn't obviously bring a championship to us, but, you know, I think it kind of, just validates their work and what they've been able to put in and, and what they're becoming as a team. Is there, I mean, with the win over East Texas Baptist and now you're nationally ranked, obviously there's an, a lot more attention coming your way. Is there, 
Is there now more pressure? Is is practice feel different? Uh, do you have to kind of remind them that it's still the same game they were playing before everybody was looking at them? Yeah, no question. And I, and I think things have changed, um, you know, obviously with social media and things like that. So it's hard now to keep those things kind of hidden. And, 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 our, and our girls know those types of things. And you know, that's something that we talk about every single day is, that you know every day we got to walk off the gym floor getting better in some facet of the game and you know we we always we always use the mantra and it's something i learned when coaching at baylor on the men's side and then uh, valparaiso university with the drew family and i think the one thing is we always talked about was no one remembers anything about november (laughs) everyone remembers what happens at the end of february and march and so you know, as well as it's, you know, it's very nice and obviously very welcomed for the program and as we continue to build this program. But it's something that we just kind of have to remind the girls that, you know, enjoy it, but this can't be this can't be the pinnacle of our season. And this has to be something that, you know, we want to enjoy. But again, stay focused each day in practice of, you know, where are we going? What do we want to do? And what is our ultimate goal? And that, again, we kind of rehash the, as I just had mentioned about, you know, no one remembers, no one remembers anything in November. Mm-hmm. It's always, it's always going to be March and, you know, late February. And that, that's what people remember. Well, granted, the committee will be looking at these results, but you're right. From the vantage point of the public, uh, what you do now may not be thought of later. I mean, you got wins over Birmingham Southern, Oglethorpe, uh, non-Division three Texas Wesleyan, just another Wesleyan to throw into the group. Uh, Schreier, Southwestern, then that win over East Texas Baptist, a win over Letourneau. You've got Texas-Dallas coming up. That will not be uh, an an easy game either. You know darn well uh, Polly Thompson is going to have her squad uh, ready to go, especially after their loss to Austin earlier on. So it's not like you are lacking, um, what's the word I want to, motivation. You you certainly have games around the corner. They're going to keep you guys a little bit on your toes. Oh, yeah, and no question. And that's one thing we wanted to do this year. We wanted to enhance, you know, enhance our strength of schedule this year, uh, being 23-5 and five last year and then losing out in the, in the championship game. I thought that was one thing we needed to do was enhance our, our strength of schedule. Like you had mentioned, um, Birmingham Southern is always solid. Oglethorpe was receiving votes. And then, obviously, Texas Baptist. And, you know, we have UT Dallas um, who's getting votes or in the top 25. Um, and so there's, you know, it's going to be it's going to be a battle like it always is every year. And then you look further ahead, you know, you have Austin College here, we have Thomas Moore, um, and so that's one thing we wanted to do was we felt like we're at a point now to where we're getting some continuity as far as players that have again been in the program for a while that we could let, let's let's get a tougher schedule. Let, let's mm-hmm. let's try to get ourselves a tougher schedule. And, you know, as you know, every year is different. I mean, teams go from year to year. You know, one year they could be. Oh sure. Game winners, and the next year they could maybe win five games. But yeah. we try to go and get those that are consistently, you know, in a non-conference manner. You know, we always try to go get those that are consistently going to. You know, we know what they're going to bring to the table, like a Thomas Moore, and you know, and Austin College has always been, you know, consistently solid and consistently good. And then you know, Polly does a great job at UTD, so we know that's always, you know, that's obviously a conference game. But you know, we want to try to find those non-conference games that are going to challenge us a little bit and you know help us get better. In, you know, you do have a double dipper with Shriner. Uh, I see that on the rack schedule, but that's compensated by a game against Thomas Moore uh, where you'll travel to their place. Uh, and obviously Thomas Moore looking for games everywhere. That's kind of part and parcel with that. So it's it's an evolution. Um, do you still feel, though, that as good as this is, this is going to come down to the conference AQ? 
Yeah, I, I think you know we we got one thing we always talk about is is we need to, we need to handle our business and take care of our business and our businesses is you know we need to win the conference we need to win the conference championship and you know and, and when you leave anything and just you know in college basketball as you know if you leave things up to you know selection committees and looking at body of work and things like that you know anything can happen and the one thing though that you can control is taking care of business and continuing to get better every day giving ultimate effort but more importantly you know you have an opportunity in a conference tournament championship game and to get there and to seal to seal to seal the the I guess, for lack of better words, just to, to seal the accomplishment and, and by getting to the NCAA or the national tournament and, and taking care of your business there. So that's been our focus. We don't, you know, we don't want, we don't want to rely on, you know, hey, our strength of schedule is really good. Let's try to get an at-large bid. You know, I think what we want to rely on is just let's take care of business. Let's continue to move forward. Let's continue to get better. And let's win a conference championship because when that's all said and done, that that's the way that you can get to the national tournament and have some type of control over it. Interesting. Your squad is young. You've got two seniors on the team, but they're not, when you look at statistics, major contributors. They may be contributors in other ways. I'm just talking on the stat sheet. Right. Um, this is a very young team. So in some senses, you're able to start teaching and retooling this program at a pretty young age uh, for them to develop it into the future to some degree. You're led by... Hannah Holt at nearly 15 points a game. Kendall Rollins at 12-plus points a game, nearly 14 points a game from Blackwell. And those are all juniors or underclassmen. This is certainly something to build into next season as well. And I'm not trying to say this season's not to to talk about. Obviously it is, and there's goals. But you've got to be, as a coach, pretty ecstatic that, hey, we've still got more time to help build this into the future, and that's going to help the program in the long run. Oh, there's no question, and I think too, just what you had mentioned with uh, Hannah and Kendall and Alicia. You know, those are those are those are juniors. They're not mm-hmm. seniors. And um, you know, as, as much as Aubrey Elliott helped us in different facets of the game in the last, and Ashley Caldwell, but when you look at the stat sheet, like you had mentioned, those, those are your big horses, so to speak. And you know, I, I think that's the great thing about it is is we're 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 not you know after this season we're not losing a large chunk. But the great thing is is we do have a lot of underclassmen. Um, that, that are getting some minutes and getting some experience as a freshman, and that's only going to enable them to become better, just like it did with Kendall Rollins and Alicia Blackwell. Kendall started as a freshman, and but she had two upperclassmen that you know could bear the brunt of, of the responsibilities, mm-hmm. and she was able to make mistakes and, and learn and, and help her become the player she is. And the same thing for Alicia. And so I think anytime that you can do that, and that's kind of our concept, you know, as far as w- with our program is, is, you know, we want we want to bring in freshmen and give, you know, the freshmen that obviously earn it a chance to play and get in there because they need to be better prepared as a sophomore and to keep the continuity of what we're trying to build here and the success that we're trying to build here in our program. And they need to understand when they step on the floor. They need to be in those environments and those tough games. I mean, last you know, you look at the East Texas Baptist game. We had a freshman, Alexis Benton, in the last three minutes of the game. And, you know, she she handled that pressure. And obviously in that environment, in that type of game, you know, you get two top 25 teams. And as you know, in the last three minutes when you're down, the opponent defensively is going to amp it up. They're, you know, offensively, they're going to play a little quicker. And she handled it perfectly fine. It went in there. And, you know, you look at her stat line, it's not flashy. But she had two deflections. She had one should have been two assists. Uh, one, you know, one of our girls, we we she didn't finish to play at the rim. <laughs> but had two nice passes. You know, yeah. and 
that's what you want to see out of a freshman, you know. And I always and I always tell, I tell our you know my assistant or just in general conversation if if we need to have a freshman lead us in scoring and do all the do all the work, then we're not a very good team because I've been I've been around those instances where you've had to do that in building process and you know usually you're not to where you want to be but we're in a position now by having those three juniors to those freshmen can grow and so now that's kind of how we want to build our program is okay we want underclassmen to come in here and and, and contribute but not contribute in a way that you know hey we have to you have to bear the brunt of the world on your shoulders and we need you to win these games that's what we want our upperclassmen to do but it's great because they're going to get tested in the fire a little bit. They're going to understand what it's like to play in those games. And then more importantly, they're going to learn from upperclassmen that, that, that are having success and, and what it takes to get there. And, again, Alicia and Kendall, two, two players that played as freshmen, they can share that story mm-hmm. with those incoming freshmen. Talking to Mark Moorfield, head coach of the Mary Harden-Baylor Crew Women's Basketball Program, 25, 25th ranked in the last Top 25 poll, which came out. A week ago, we'll get our new poll this evening. We'll see where they may move up or down. Well, hopefully up. Um, side note, you know, obviously the football program, extremely successful. Um, and moving on to the semifinals, it, that's unfor- can be unfortunate and fortunate this time of year. You guys could be flying under the radar on your actual campus because everyone's focused on football and doesn't realize there's a game at, at the gym, as it were. But at the same time, it's also got to be pretty exciting and, and the team getting involved in that as well. Oh, yeah, there's no question. I mean, there's nothing, you know, obviously, you know, Coach Fredenberg has done a great job with the program. Um, and obviously, they're, they're perennial contenders every year. And it, it's great because what it does is it just brings focus to UMHB. And it just, you know, it, it's great for the school in general. It's great for the school in general. It's great for our athletic department. And it's a great recruiting tool as well, too. I mean, you, you see you see, you see, see UMHB out there. You see UMHB's having success. And I think that's a great recruiting tool. So, you know, any, anything that comes from football or any athletic program that's having a successful year is just nothing but a positive for the university and the athletic program. Um, and, and we don't mind, we don't mind flying under the radar anyways. <laughs> we, we, we'd rather, we, we, we prefer to uh, fly under the radar and just go about our business every day and just, you know, make sure that we're, we're competing and giving effort in practice and that we're walking off that practice floor, you know, at least in some facet getting better. But again, you know, um, coach Fredenberg's done a great job and, you know, it, it's an exciting time to be on campus right now. You guys are located, what is it, a little bit northwest of Houston? If, if... Yeah, well, we're actually, yeah, probably about northwest. Best, The best description probably for UMHB is we're about the halfway point between Dallas and San Antonio. So we're about okay. 40 minutes right. south of Waco and then probably about 40 minutes north of Austin um, and right off of uh, Interstate 35, which is one of the main interstates that yeah. uh, runs through the state of Texas. And, yeah, interesting enough, we were just talking about um, Wisconsin lacrosse's men's basketball team, whose bus slid off of I-35 up in Iowa. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, not related to Texas, but it, it got me on the topic of, you know, we talk about trips in New England maybe not being as long, but they're filled with weather issues. You guys oh, may yeah. not have the weather issues, but you have the length. What's the longest bus trip you guys have in conference? In conference, well, this year, well, consistently we go to Sol, Sol Ross every year. So Alpine, we're going to Alpine, Texas every year, which is about a seven-hour bus ride. And then this year we go out to Bellhaven, which is in Jackson, Mississippi. And that's, I think, about a good eight- to nine-hour bus drive. Mm. So every year we're going to get a six-, seven-hour bus drive going to Alpine. Um, and then every other year um, we'll head out to, to Bellhaven, um, which would be the longest. So yeah, there, there's definitely some, there's some, there's some travel miles oh, yeah. on the bus that uh, – 
you know, they, they can get a little taxing after a while. And luckily we have a pretty thorough DVD collection that the girls gonna, have. And yeah. We can watch a lot of movies. I was going <laughs> to say, well, how do, besides studying, how does one keep themselves? I've driven through Texas. Um, it, it You could, to some degree, just put the lock down the steering wheel and you'll be good for most of the trip. But um, how do you how do you guys entertain yourselves, for lack of a description? The DVDs, after a while, have got to get a little annoying. Oh, yeah, yeah, they do. And especially some of the selection at the girls makes just for my personal taste. <laughs> <laughs> so it, gets, it gets a little old and stuff. But, um, you know, a lot of times, too, what we do is um, the girls, you know, we'll, they bring games on the bus. And so we'll have, you know, we, we may have different card games that we'll play, um, that they'll play. And, you know, obviously they obviously even, even bring some board games. And um, I will tell you this, they, they really get caught up on their sleep as well. Oh, so I'm sure. They're, 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 yeah, they're, there's a variety of different things between movies and card games and board games and then just, just getting rest um, and, and those travels and stuff. So they're, they're, we're, we're, they're pretty good about keeping themselves entertained. And, um, and then if they, if they get bored with all those, they usually retreat to their Netflix on their phone. <laughs> That's true, too. Uh, these buses have come a long way since I was on them in the late 90s. Uh, they, they've got bells and whistles now. I wish I had back then. Uh, <laughs> hey, Coach, appreciate you taking the time. Fascinating well, si- no. situation with you guys. We're looking forward to seeing how this all plays out. Obviously, a big game with Texas-Dallas coming up next uh, this weekend. Um, and we wish you luck the rest of the way in the ASC. As always, though, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuning in? Well, just really appreciate you having me on, and um, obviously, you know, thank you for thank you for having us on, and um, you know, hopefully, again, um, we can continue to climb and continue to take care of our business each game, and um, you know, be there when when the time comes in March for the national tournament. Absolutely, you don't don't disagree at all. At least enjoy the ride, as as it were, and and maybe try and enjoy the the, the ride to Bellhaven. <laughs> well, well, yeah, we'll, we'll try to do that. that. That can't be guaranteed, but we'll enjoy no, exactly. the ride this season. But the bus ride to Bellhaven, I, I can't guarantee that. Do what you can. Do what you can, sir. <laughs> we try. <laughs> Take care. We'll talk to you soon. Great. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Mark Morefield joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline out of Mary Harden Baylor. <laughs> Team will travel to Texas, Dallas. That is a relatively short trip for them coming up here on Saturday. Uh, they will then be at home to finish off the holiday or the 2018 side of the season. University of Ozarks in conference play, followed up by Texas Tyler in non-conference play, then Shriner in non-conference play, take a break for Christmas, then come back on the 29th to take on Austin. That's another game we, we skipped over, but another top 25 ranked team there. Uh, then they've got Bellhaven at home or on the road to start the season. At least they get it out of the way at the beginning of January and it's not in the middle of the season take another break when we come back i think of course i'm i say this now i don't remember which direction we're headed in bear with me a second while i quickly check my uh my emails here do 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 um well we're heading to randolph macon that's where we're headed (laughs) men's basketball with the yellow jackets we'll talk to randolph macon's josh merkel their head, his head, their head coach when we return. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops Hope after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum. It's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. For the love of the game, 
But for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. I'm trying to get our tweet out here on about our next guest. If you got questions for us, you can tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Um, let's see. I got a chance, as I mentioned, to drive all the way down to Greensboro, North Carolina for the soccer championships. And on the way back, decided to drive. Uh, I had to drive up 95 due to another gig and made a stop in Ashland, Virginia. That's only relevant because it happens to be the home of where our next guest is from. Well, at least the team is from. Ashland, of course, the home of the Yellow Jackets of Randolph-Macon, and they are off to a 9-0 and start in men's basketball. Uh, to say it lightly, not too shabby. But where is this all coming from? Where is it all going as we start to get into the heat of the ODAC conference before the holidays as well? So joining us on the city, on the Hoopsville Hotline, I keep trying to sponsor it. It's not sponsored, hint, hint. On the Hoopsville Hotline is Josh Merkel, who joins us to talk about his Yellow Jackets. Thank you, sir. Welcome to the show. Dave, thank you. Great to be on the show. I appreciate you taking the time. Um, let's start with the basics here. 9-0 uh, start. Uh, and, and some significant wins. We'll get to those in detail to some degree. But uh, I thought, listen, I thought you guys might be good this year. I didn't see a 9-0 and start, and I don't know how to read these tea leaves. So uh, help me out. What, what's going on here? <laughs> uh, I think it, it dates back to we've got five seniors um, that have been through a bunch of battles, um, watched a ton of film sessions, and have kept getting better and better. And uh, we've been doing it by committee for a while, but I think all of our guys went home for the summer, had a good off season, came back better players. And there's an urgency, certainly. Uh, we've got eight upperclassmen, five seniors. I mentioned three juniors. Uh, there's always a little more urgency. They're looking at their careers. They have not been to the tournament yet. Um, I know they don't want to end their careers uh, not having checked that box and done something special. And so there's been a great urgency to our practices and, and to how we've gotten better that certainly helps uh and you've had some solid victories along the way as we as we've indicated and you've got some big games coming up uh the wood the win over hood 
<clears throat> isn't one of those where oh, Hood was ranked, but it was by 30, and Hood has taken all, out some teams that have caught my eye. So the win by 30 caught mine. You beat Albright pretty handily. You handed Gettysburg, okay, oh, great, all right. But then Emory, you defeated Emory by 20, and then you got into conference play, beat Washington Lee, who's, who's certainly improved, and then you handled Emory and Henry by 11. It feels like this team is not letting up to some degree, especially now that the cat is out of the bag. Well, I appreciate uh, you running down that list because I do think, uh, and I told Coach Dickman, uh, Chad, who's a good friend of mine, uh, and Jay-Z, Coach uh, from Emory, both of those guys in talking, um, that those guys have have really great teams, and I thought we shot the ball really well, 18 threes against Hood. But I told Chad not to worry. That team is going to win a lot of games, Mm -hmm. watching them almost beat Mount St. Mary's. Um, Coach McHugh at at Washington Lee has a great team. That team is really well coached, and and I'd say the same about Emory Emory. I say all that. um, You look at the scores, and you think that, like you even used the word handled. I don't know that we've handled anybody. I think uh, in all those games, it's been a – even with Emory, three-point game with 11 minutes to go. Um, The same thing, seven minutes to go. Three-point game with WNL, three-point game with E&H. And I think just um, our guys uh, have found ways to win rather than ways to lose, and and that's a huge piece of it. I I think our guard play has been very good. I think our defense um, at times has been very stingy and clamped down. And, um, you know, I'd like to be doing those things for 40 minutes, but we still have a lot of things to work on. And uh, the ball has kind of bounced our way, too. We've, you know, both those games were at home here this week, and and that certainly was was helpful. Um, By the way, you know, some teams are within two in the opening minute of contests. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> 11 minutes, three-point game in my world, that's a lot of time. Uh, and you guys obviously finish strong. And that's what I think is also indicative is you got to finish strong. This is a team that's scoring currently 83 points a game. Honestly, is that a, is that a number that is maintainable throughout the season? I sure hope so. We're trying to grow that number. Okay. Uh, I think we're leaving some opportunities out there even. Um, but we are we are able to play fast or make people work on defense, and, and I think that's a testament to guys. They will give up good shots for great shots. Hmm. Um, and I love how we're shooting the ball and sharing the ball, and, and that's always an important piece because I don't think you can take away one guy and um, and beat us that way. So, yeah, I hope to grow that number 83 day. Let's take a look back in uh, early March yeah. and see where we are. Okay. How about February? Then we'll get to March. Uh, 64.5 points per game defensively. I know that's the number you really are probably focused on. That's a pretty stout number, especially when it's a difference of almost 20 here. Yeah, we're, we're proud of that and trying to continue to get better with uh, within our man-to-man. Um, again, I think older guys that uh, have embraced that piece of it uh, were stronger. We, we've got a lot of good good pieces and parts and guys that have played a lot of minutes together. So that's always been our calling card um, from the coaches before us, Coach Davis, Coach Rhodes, and it's going to continue to be where we hang our hat. Uh, you're led by a sophomore. As much as you talk about the seniors, you're led by a sophomore who I felt must have automatically had to come to your school. And uh, in, in the reason <laughs> I say that is, folks, his name is Buzz Anthony. I, I feel like this must have been a default. Son, this is the program for you. We literally named it for you. Uh, 15 <laughs> points a game. But tell me a little bit about what he is bringing to the table here because you talked about that senior class and you talked about the upperclassmen, mm-hmm. you know, maybe being a little bit more fired up because they haven't been to a tournament and, and, and at least since you guys kind of took over the reins. 
But this is a sophomore right now leading the way at 15 points a game. That That's significant, I'm sure, in many ways. It is, and I will add to that that uh, his mom goes by B, B-E-E. Oh, this so is just getting better. I, I think if we, if we didn't get him, we were doing something wrong. No, Buzz is a, a special kid, uh, special competitor is where it starts, um, and, and a very good player and has gotten better. So I thought he had a great freshman year where he started every game and did a lot of good things for an 18-win team. But then he went in the offseason. He worked camps all summer, worked at VCU, at Richmond, uh, just wherever he could. He is a gym rat. He wants to be a future coach. He will be a future coach. And uh, so I am very, you know, we're, we're blessed. Now, as a sophomore, you're only as good as the guys around him. So right. I will, you know, that's where the seniors and, and the guys, we, we've got a really good group. He, uh, he's been stirring the drink and, and the engine. Uh, he makes other guys better. He, he helps slow the game down and put the ball in spots where other guys can be successful. Uh, and those other guys have really worked hard to put themselves in position to be good as well. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited for, for Buzz and the year he's having, and I think he's only going to get better. Three guys in double figures, nearly five guys in double figures, if you count Montese Adams and Darrell Williams, who are both at nine points a game plus. Um, it's Corey Bays at 11-plus points a game, Grayson Medulla at nearly 14 points a game. So it's it's certainly spread out. But now we turn the corner. Um, this thing called the ODAC, uh, you're now neck deep mm-hmm. in. Uh, you already got a win over WNL. You got the win over Emory and Henry. Uh, we're playing the double names here um, as Hampton-Sydney comes up. And listen, Hampton-Sydney is not the program us D3 lovers are used to. Um, but they're a rival. And it doesn't matter what their record is. You got to get everybody focused for Wednesday night, do you not? Sure. I don't think uh, it's going to be very hard either with our guys. I think um, you know if you can't get excited for number one an ODAC game, uh, number one a, number two a road game, and then a rivalry and, and a game that means as much as that game. And I think all of them should mean something. But you know how those rivalry games are. Oh yeah. Um, I think if we can't get up for that game, then, then there's a problem. So I don't think it'll be too big an issue. We've got. Uh, we got to continue to prepare like we have, focus on our habits, and then see what happens on Wednesday. And this is a Hampton-Sydney squad for anybody at home wondering what I'm talking about. Four and two on the season, yes, but lost to William Peace and then lost to Roanoke by 42. Um, so it's an up-and-down season for them. And then after that, you've got a big battle uh, in-state out-of-conference against Christopher Newport. But then you guys take a significant uh, time off here uh, before getting your home tournament underway, you'll play Christopher Newport on the 8th, and then you're off for 20 days for, for games at least. So this is mm-hmm. kind of an important stretch here to finish strong. It is, absolutely, yeah. Um, and, and guys are getting crunched academically uh, right. with with tests even this week. But, um, yeah, we're excited. I mean, great great week. We'll start with Sydney and then CNU and handle, handle each of those one at a time. Uh, and then these guys will have exams and can focus on that. We'll do some skill development that week and, and stay in shape, um, give them their time with their families. It's such a long season, so I think that break right there is crucial um, for them to be fresh mentally when they get back. And we got some really good teams coming to our tournament uh, in Drew and Stockton and, and Wisconsin Carroll, so really excited about the, the caliber of teams coming in after Christmas. It's the first time I've ever heard of it referred to as Wisconsin Carroll. I love that reference, actually. That's kind of helpful. Uh, yeah, Carol out of the CCIW. Um, what is this conference going to be this year? Uh, Roanoke looks like they're good, though they, they stubbed their toe a little bit coming out of the gate. I know Clay Nunley's probably uh, steaming a little bit about that. Uh, I have 
purposely not reached out to him as a result of that. You just don't know what Dave Macedo is going to have at Virginia Wesley, and you, you figure they've got to be on the comeback. And of course, there's Guilford. Um, and, of course, Lynchburg got a big win just the other night. What do we expect from this, this ODAC this year? And I will say, at least you got a couple of the tough ones already out of the way. Yeah, you know, ODAC is always impressive and tough. You got well coached, you got older guys this year. Uh, Lynchburg, what they've done, Coach Scott is tremendous, but they're really guarding, and they've got an older group too. So there's a sense of urgency yeah. with their guys uh, across the board. Um, I think everyone's working to find that identity. Uh, and I think Roanoke, that, that early stub of the toe, you know, Coach is going to get, Clay's going to get those guys. They, they won, I think they finished 12 in a row last year. He's going to have them peaking at the right time. Some of that was injury-based early on, too. So sure. I, I think it's going to be a great, great fight each night. Um, and, and the goal is to see if we can get there playing at our best when it matters the most. Uh, we haven't always done that. So, Yeah, makes sense. It's going to be a grind. You have an interesting schedule this year in that ODEC. We're not going to dive into it, but you do have the game at home against Roanoke uh, in February. You do play Virginia Wesleyan twice prior to that. Um, interesting uh, makeup of the schedule as it, as it is in the ODAC, as the ODAC turns, as right. it were. Um, quickly, not to harp on it, you are a Salisbury alum. You are the previous coach of Salisbury. Then you came down to take over this Yellow Jacket squad when Nate Davis left for Bucknell. Uh, Andy Sachs let go at the beginning of the season as an alum. Seeing another alum let go, uh, I'm sure that, that your heart bleeds a little bit to some degree. Yeah, I think it bleeds. For absolutely, and and if you put yourself in any of those players and coach Sack's shoes, but certainly in those players' shoes, uh, nobody wants to lose their coach at that time of year. Um, it, it's hard to balance it out. Uh, Brian McDermott is a good friend of mine. Brian mm -hmm. was the GA when I played there, um, and, and I think Brian has kind of hit it on the head that that life isn't always fair, and this yeah. is. Uh, you got to do the best with what it hands you. And, and those guys certainly out of the gate have made the best of that situation. Chase, uh, one of their seniors, Chase Kamar, is a guy that's, uh, that I recruited. And so always rooting for those guys and really proud of the start that they've had battling that adversity. Can you give us a little bit of an insight? Is, is, is you know, Salisbury's a state school. It's on the Eastern Shore. Can you give people a little bit of an insight of, of what that school and how it ticks a little bit that we can't appreciate? I mean, you played there – uh, to be honest, back in the heyday for Salisbury men's basketball, and I know it's trying to return to that, but you you were back mm -hmm. back when the battles in the CAC between Catholic and Goucher and yourselves and anybody yeah. else like Marymount who wanted to enter the fray. It, it was it was brutal, yeah. but it's different now. But has things changed on the campus too? Well, give us a dynamic that we may not understand that goes on with that school. Uh, yeah, I miss those battles. Those battles were great. Yeah. Uh, and even, even the York uh, playing on yep, that cafeteria York. floor yes. and what they've done since. Um, it, was, it, it was a great league. It's a little bit different now. Oh, campus is, is beautiful. you got great people there. Um, it's an outstanding school um, and really some great people, great coaches, great athletic excellence across the board, yeah. um, even outside of hoops and the national championships that they've won. So. I think a lot of people refer to it as, um, you know, just one of those great places that until you even drive by and see it for yourself, it, it always surprised people when they would visit campus and just say, man, I never realized that it, that it looked like this. Yeah. Um, it's come a long way since you were there. It has. It has. <laughs> Granted, you were there recently as a coach, so that sounds a little strange. But 
Um, it has certainly come a long way. Hey, back to Ashland. Uh, as I said at the beginning, drove through. I made a pit stop in Ashland. Um, I worry if I go too far west, I'll never get out of Ashland because I'm going to want to come on campus. So I stayed as close to 95 as I could. I needed to get somewhere. Um, but I noticed a sign that caught me off guard. I don't know if you got the answer or not, but the sign said center of the universe. And I kind of went, wait, what? Uh, any... That's Ashland, Ashland's claim to fame. Yeah. I, and, I feel um, like I should know this, but I don't. <laughs> so you want to know uh, what, what's the credibility to that statement? Yeah, to, to some that, degree, that yeah. I, I, think, I think they can't post it unless it's true. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> okay. When it comes to tourism, I think anything can get posted. <laughs> no, it's um, it, it's a great place to be. You, you've driven by, but it's a great place to raise a family right here off 95. And um, we've got a great community here in Ashland, too, that's really been supportive um, through through our team, you know, not just yeah. when things are going well, but when things haven't gone as well. So what's the Center of the Universe thing all about? Center of the Universe is, is basically that um, Ashland is falls in the center of the universe okay. when all things are considered. Oh, okay. Oh, well, today, <laughs> like uh, in D3 hoops, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, that's a heck of a spin job. Let's be honest. Yeah. Uh, yes. That's, that's... I didn't come up with it. No, I know. I figured you wouldn't have. Uh, it's a Salisbury but it, education. But it made you talk about <laughs> Sorry, that's a ga- that's an old school goucher shot. Sorry, I apologize. <laughs> I wasn't ready for that. No, one, no. For that. That's where the coffee apparently kicked in in the last 30 seconds. Um, well, hey, congratulations on the season. I do want to point out, and we'll hang it up, we'll talk a little bit more about it. Got a Randolph Macon basketball shirt in the mail this past week. Uh, we are proud that RMC has come on board as a as an advertiser with the show. We will start seeing those advertisements in January. But I want to thank you guys for the shirt. We'll look forward to wearing it in the near future on the show. Um, but Randolph Macon's always always had uh, a lot of history. Uh, the football program doing pretty well this season, all things considered. Uh, lacrosse has come a long way. I know you guys are itching to kind of get back in the fray. Oh, and become relevant again, absolutely. Yeah, that, that's I mean, I've used the word urgency, but certainly becoming relevant um, is a huge thing. I think you put all that work in, and that's what you want to do. I think our sports across the board are doing that. Um, got great coaches and players. And I hope, too, to go back to it that, uh, that more schools will, will jump on board like we have. What you guys do is such a great thing for our schools and especially our athletes. And you should be commended on that and uh, supported for the work that you do. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that kind word. Um, as all, I, I got nothing else. I, I'm looking forward to seeing how this all plays out this season. Of course, we'll keep an eye on that Hampton-Sydney game coming up on Wednesday and then the Christopher Newport game as well. Um, as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuning in today? Well, I want to just uh, thanks for being on the show. Um, thanks for those supporting us and watching us. And uh, like you said, uh, stay tuned. I think uh, that the best is yet to come, and we're going to keep on getting better. Well, looking forward to it. To say the least, you also have a pretty good coach on the women's side and the women's program having a good year. Uh, Thanks for the time. As always, enjoy your holidays. Um, Enjoy this week ahead. (laughs) And uh, we'll look forward to talking to you down the road. Thanks, Dave. Sounds great. Absolutely. Take care. Josh Merkel joining us from 17th ranked. Um, Randolph Macon. Again, shirt sent to us. Really appreciate it. Yeah, they are uh, uh, an advertiser. We sent out a bunch of emails to a number of schools, uh, and we've got two nibbles. We'll talk about the second nibble in a minute. Randolph Macon being one of them. If you're interested in in advertising on our show, something we're we're really expanding this year, let us know. We're going to be making another full effort on it heading uh, in the next week or so, heading into the January-February term. 
And then I want to thank uh, Eau Claire, Wisconsin Eau Claire. Uh, they've sent in some paraphernalia that you'll see on me soon enough because they are another advertiser with Hoopsville. I really appreciate uh, Dan Schumacher and the AD there and the basketball coaches at, at Eau Claire. And, of course, at randolph Macon, Jeff Burns and the basketball coaches there. Looking forward to, to their partnership with them, with the advertising. Look forward to other partnerships in the near future and uh, appreciate the love by sending us stuff to wear. And uh, Because for me, it's about promoting Division Three and putting on uh, a Randolph-Macon shirt or an Eau Claire sweatshirt or something like that is a great way to, uh, to do that kind of promotion. If you are a school out there tuning in today and you're interested in learning more about advertising on this program, please contact me. I'd be happy to uh, let you know all about it. If you are a advertiser, you're a business and want to advertise on this program, contact me. You don't see a lot of advertisements now. You know we take commercial breaks. You don't see a lot of the ads now. You will see an uptick in those ads, I promise you, when we hit January as we've already got some partners in place. The money helps us put dedicate the time to put this show on the air. We have to justify our time to some degree. We also have to justify our travel. Um, and we're hoping to at least get to one location that we're thinking of maybe two this year. And so we hope um, any of you out there can help us out. Uh, otherwise, i got to pick up about three more three more gigs like the soccer championships to help us along the way and pay the bills. And with that, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we will switch gears, talk to a – a pretty uh, outstanding coach, 600 wins. Chris Huffman at DePaul has that on her resume now. We'll also talk about some of the other significant victories this season in the coaching ranks. You're watching Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. Speaking of our partners in crime, WBCA and NABC, we always appreciate their support as well. We'll be back with more Hoops when we return. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I used to never really talk, ever. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight.
And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you are enjoying today's Monday edition of the show. Listen, I'll be honest. I kind of like these midday shows. Um, I don't know if we could go to them, but here's a little hint. We were just talking about the advertising on the other side and advertising with the show and doing, you know, and helping us pay bills and stuff. If we get enough advertising, I'll be honest with you. If we got enough advertising, here's one idea I have for the show. One idea is to go to more weekly or daily shows. And not not big beast shows every single day. We're not talking two, three hour shows like the Dan Patrick show Monday through Friday. But one idea might be like an hour, maybe, maybe two hours, Monday through Thursday. And that's how we would do the show. And and because coaches are always available during the days. And and we may be able to get you while you're listening at home. And if, if you don't, then the podcast is available for you to listen later. Evenings are tough for everybody. Evenings we go with because there's more likely you're going to be tuned in. But if we got enough advertising in this show that, that justified the time involved, doing a show Monday through Thursday, for example, might be fun to do. That might be a good way of doing it. Yeah, it's a little burdensome, but that's the point. If, if we're finding a way to justify the time. I kind of like these midday shows. Um, but I also enjoy the evening shows, too, to some degree. But uh, just something, just a little share note there for you. Welcome back to Hoopsville. If you've got questions for us, uh, tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Speaking of which, by the way, quick note, SUNY Delhi has been announced they will be joining the NAC, the Northern Atlantic, Atlantic Conference, starting next season. Uh, we kind of knew this was coming. We just hadn't gotten there yet, as they say. Um, but we knew it was coming. And there's some more moves uh, afoot, as they say. Uh, the NAC is growing. Keep an eye out for the NAC. I'm going to be very, uh, well, that's about as much as I can say. Let's just leave it at that. Uh, again, so you've got questions with us, interact with us. We hope we can hear from you soon. Um, I think I got even some text messages. We'll double check that in a moment. Uh, but hope you're enjoying it. All right, so uh, some some of the things that sometimes happen in the, in, the, um, in the early part of the season is some coaching milestones hit. And they, and they either just miss us or, or they get swept out by everything else. Uh, Wilmington's head coach, Jerry, um, you know what? I always forget how to say Jerry's last name. I think it's Chev. could be Sheev. That's Sheev, I believe. Won his uh, 500th career game for Wil- with Wilmington when they defeated Earlham last week. Uh, congratulations to him. He's now among the top 20 active coaches in career wins. Um, the head coach at, oh, darn it all. I just blanked on it as I went to say it up in New England. Um, Emmanuel's head coach closing in on, on, a, on a big number. And then, of course, DePaul women's basketball coach Chris Huffman picked up win number 600 in their win over DePaul. A, sorry, over Kenyon. Yeah, <laughs> win over DePaul. That would might have made it a little more difficult. Um, the win over Kenyon, 45-42. Uh, picked up win number 600. That's, that's, that's kind of significant. So we figured we'd talk to Chris Huffman about that. She's a friend of the program, as it were. So joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, it is the head coach of the 21st-ranked Tigers of DePaul. And 600 career win mark, Chris Huffman. Coach, congratulations. Welcome to the program once again. Dave, it's always great to talk with you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Appreciate you taking the time, especially on a midday Monday when you probably have better things to do. Um, So... Listen, we knew that this milestone was coming. I think you and I hinted at it in the last couple of times we've chatted. It's probably nicer to get this game out of the way and and this win out of the way this time of year, I'm guessing, than it would be, say, in February when there's probably a lot more pressing issues to focus on. 
<laughs> seems like those issues are there every day, but it's a, it's a great one to have uh, uh, accomplished and credit to the team and, and the coaching staff on a, a tough-fought victory on Saturday. What does it mean to win 600? I, I, that number to me, as one who covers this sport, I appreciate, but I can't fully wrap my mind around it. That's a lot of victories. That means there's, there's to some degree, especially for your program, a, a bit of success. You can't get there just being an average coach who's there for a long time. You know, it, it, as I think about that as well, and you think about the you know 25 plus years, the number of student athletes that crossed the table and had the ball in their hands for those wins, and the coaching staff that had to work their tails off to make you know to make it happen. It's a little bit longevity, and and really blessed with tremendous people around me. And I've been so very, very grateful for the people that have been uh, through this program and working with this program. You said 21-plus 20, seasons. You start doing the math. That's a lot of victories per year. I know this program's had a lot of success, not only in the SCAC initially, now into uh, the NCAC. It's something about the CAC stuff you guys like, north or south. Um, but it hasn't been easy. Uh, I think you guys, I, having talked to you in the past, I feel like you, you guys keep falling just short of where you ultimately want to go. But you look at longevity-wise, Coach, this is a very successful program, probably one of the most successful programs in Division Three history. You know, I had the, the fortune of learning from some of the best, and, 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 and I think about the teams we had to compete against when I first arrived at DePauw, and whether that be Dixie Jeffers at Capitol or and year in and year out, Nancy Bay at WashU, who's now at Illinois. And we had to find a way to try to survive against them and compete with them. And, yeah. and you know, finally we found some success. And um, But I learned a lot just by taking those lumps early on. Yeah, uh, you, you certainly picked a group that will teach you those lumps. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. To, to, We've say, had a <laughs> to say the least. Um what is it about though getting to 600 that that people can't appreciate? Maybe what what is it? The challenges is it the nuance of it all? Is it the time spent? What is what is it that 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 would make us appreciate what 600 really means better? Maybe. Oh goodness, um, you know I think about we've been in three different conferences and oh that's right, you know, <laughs> I forgot. You know, we, we used to travel south and log tons and tons of miles <laughs> heading to Texas and Colorado and Arkansas. And I got to tell you, one of the greatest blessings has been the editing equipment that's around now. Whether that be <laughs> Huddle or Crossover or Synergy, it has extended my life <laughs> and uh, given you some hours of sleep at this point. Because you used to not be able to do that at all. Yeah. I don't think I slept for, for quite a few of those years. That's true. <laughs> and you can upload probably from the bus to some degree nowadays. Uh, oh, my Oh, in the old days, you had to grab a VHS tape and somehow figure out what the (laughs) heck you were doing. I even know those days. Um, Crazy. Yeah, I can. I can only imagine what you know. That kind of leads me to another good question to ask you. I was going to say what What's the biggest thing that's changed? Obviously, you mentioned video, but how much have you changed, or had to change? Maybe is a better question as a coach. You know, if my old student athletes came back, they would say, "Coach, you're soft, right?" You know, so I think, <laughs> you you adapt with the times, and, sure. and there's a lot of ways to to get it done. And, and I do think young people have changed, and the way you communicate with them has changed. Yeah. And 
So it's an ever-evolving uh, profession as we learn to work with, whether it be the X's and O's, or but more specifically, working with the people. Um, yeah, I was going to say, we talk about a lot of coaches who have lost their jobs because times have changed and they have not. Um, I mean, the most famous is Bob Knight, obviously, uh, but we've had it in Division Three, including over the summer. How hard, and I'm not certainly saying that you're you are anywhere close to Bob Knight. Please, no one think I'm making that reference. But how hard has it been? I've never known you'd be that fiery. Uh, but how hard has it been to stay ahead of the curve to some degree? Because you also have to recruit these players, and you need to adjust your recruitment to some to to, to get them enticed to come to to DePaul. You know, yeah, and I think, you know, there's no uh, good book to read. Or I, No, I'm sure there are several good books to read, but there's no easy way to do it. And, you know, I think uh, for me it's been having a great staff around me, having those people in the program as they become juniors and seniors that you really trust and you build relationships with. I think it somewhat can happen organically or, um, as you evolve into what your current players' relationships look like. Um, and then it helps, you know, when you've got those nieces and nephews or younger siblings that, help keep you in line as as an old adult here <laughs> yeah as an old adult yeah well, i get you there <laughs> i understand that um how much more you got left in the tank it's a trick question by the way just for the record you know it is and, and i'll be honest with you i think we, i had a, a staffing change a few years back i've got a great staff and as they joke with me right now it takes a village to, to hang yeah. out with me well, you know they're taking care of me in many ways um <laughs> and they, they've added some gas to the tank Okay. Um, you know, and as I look at what my future might hold, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's administration, but I watch what ADs do, and that seems like a headache. So uh, <laughs> maybe I can join you on air in the future. Um, but I've got some gas in the tank. You know, it's kind of fun right now. Um, we're, we're not rebuilding, but, you know, we're, we're certainly at an inexperienced stage, okay. um, a little bit different stage that we've been in the past. And that's somewhat motivating to see if we can kind of build this thing up again and, mm-hmm. and, and make a run at anything, uh, anything big. Okay. I was going to transition, and you helping me there. Uh, you lost two in a row. Um, Illinois Wesleyan tripped you up 80-60, to 60, rose home, and then tripped you up 49-47. to 47, But you got back in the win column uh, this weekend on the road at Canyon where you picked up win number 600. You've got Wittenberg ahead on Wednesday. you got Oberlin ahead uh, in conference play this week as well on Saturday. Um, you got a big win over Trine, we should point out, before that Illinois Wesleyan loss. You beat Trine 68-66. What's jumping out at me and what I hinted at in some of our teases of having you on is low-octane team. You do not have a ton of firepower necessarily in, in when it jumps out at you, but you guys have a stout defense. You're right now outscoring opponents 57.8 points to 57.0 points. It's more about holding teams down than it is necessarily out shooting them. Yeah, we're trying to trying to figure out who we are a little bit where we've okay. got you know inside we've got two freshmen and two sophomores uh, that are in the paint for us we have our experience at the point guard a tremendous player in Maya Howard um, and we've got two juniors Natalie Kurt and, and Sydney Cop. and so we, we've got some inexperience whether that be in the depth at practice or the depth on game sure. day um, and so the guard court is a little bit younger um, so we're building. I'm, I'm hopeful. You know, I, I told you I, I sleep more, but then, you know, you mentioned our schedule coming up, and I I, I don't really, right? No one really sleeps. <laughs> Fair. You just you, you don't sleep for other reasons now. Now it's it's the stress and scouting than it is necessarily all the uh, business work behind the scenes. 
Right. Howard leads the team as a senior at 14.2 points a game. Cop is a junior at 13.3. And then you're right. It, after that, it's basically all underclassmen. Keith, Blaze, uh, Haley, was it? Change. It? it is. Oh, very Change. nice. Yeah. Uh, and then Shannon, Montgomery, Somerville, all players. By the way, Blaze has only played in one. So I forget, you know, that's a little bit different than the rest I mentioned who've all played in every single game. Some of them started, but none of them exactly bringing a ton of points to the table right now. I know this is a transition a little bit to some degree. So this puts the pressure on the defense. Has the defensive mentality changed? I mean, I've never known you guys to be not a good defensive unit, but have you had to change the mentality defensively, or is it the same thing, just more uh, fine-tuned? Well, we've had to maybe had a little more variety with what we're mm. doing. Still, I think, you know, there's a reason, you know, I look back at our past successes and we were able to have juniors and seniors on the floor really um, for several years, yeah. back to back, back to back. And that experience does pay off. And we've got some young talent that um, I'm super, super excited about. But sometimes those details <clears throat> kind of slip away as they're, as they're trying to process everything that's going around. Um, so our, I think our defense has taken on a little bit more of a variety. Um, we know we're going to have maybe a few more mistakes with some experience on the floor and, and maybe trying to keep teams a little more off balance as part of the formula now. should point out, after your Oberlin game, you guys will get about 12 days off between games, then you'll be down in Daytona Beach. Uh, take on Kane and then Stevenson um, before the Christmas break. Then you'll come home and take on Finlandia and someone else in your tournament before getting back into conference play. The conference has changed a bit. There was a time where it was DePaul and then everybody else, and to some degree you're still on top. But last year we saw Kenyon kind of emerge at 21-6, and 13-3 uh, in conference. Oberlin uh, showed up at 21-8, 13-3 in conference. And these are programs that certainly Kenyon's been winning more of late. Oberlin had not. They kind of really entered the fray. Uh, how much has that changed? Maybe losing sleep. Um, the conference makeup and, and what you guys have to do with, with either getting the team ready to go or giving the team a little bit of a break? You know, I think the conference just continues to rise. Uh, we've got great uh, coaching colleagues in the conference. It's competitive top to bottom. And, uh, you know, I look at, you know, Whitberg, tremendous team, Oberlin, Kenyon, Denison. You know, the list, I could list every one of them here. Um, it, it's a tough day in and day out. And I think sometimes our history, um, I guess I've heard, you know, people in our conference hate us. I guess that's a compliment, perhaps. I'm, I, I guess I'll say the compliment is, um, you know, they're trying to beat us, just like we're trying to beat them. Um, but it is tough day in and day out. And I really respect my, my conference colleagues that are coaching and, and their preparation and, and their X's and O's. It's just outstanding. So it's a lot more difficult than it's ever been. Interesting take, to say the least. I mean, because I remember when you guys came in, you kind of started dominating that conference, and it's nice to see it more competitive, for sure. Is that to some degree because you guys have, have had to force the conference to raise its own standards? And I'm not trying to toot any horns. I'm just saying, is, is that the dynamic that's going on here? Well, you know, when you look at the, the history of a Denison, or a Coach Lee, or yeah. a Coach Fan at Kenyon, I mean, they've won for years and years and years True. and years. And so they've got tremendous history. And uh, I think with Kerry Jenkins at Oberlin, he's really lifted them with some tremendous recruiting classes and brought in some size. And, and then you got some coaches that are staying there and committing uh, to building programs. And I think that's what's happened is hmm. they've got some long-term coaches uh, uh, on the bench with them. Yeah, that makes, that makes some logical sense as well. 
Uh, what's the goals for this season? It's a program we're used to at least tap dancing into the NCAA in some capacity. Uh, we expect you guys to be playing in March. Uh, last year it was trying that tripped you up in the first round uh, at Illinois Wesleyan. What what are your expectations? Is this even with a turnover? Should we expect to see you in March as well? Well, you know, we need to continue to develop. There's no doubt about that. Um, you know, you said our, our scoring average versus our, what we're giving up, and it's uh, we're on a thin line here. Yeah. So we, we can get better, and I'm super excited for these young players to continue to gain experience and gain game experience, which we haven't had a lot of opportunities, you know, to get them in because we play that tough schedule. So I'm hoping that, you know, continuing through practice and making each other better, that we can gain that experience and that comfort level on game day. Uh, you know, if, if we're if we're in the tournament in March, I'm thrilled. Um, it certainly is the goal and the program's goal to, to be there, but we have a lot of work to do. When it comes to 600 wins, this is going to be an impossible question, but I'll ask it anyway. Does any of those wins stand out? Oh, wow. You know, it, it's funny. As we've reflected on some teams celebrating 10 years, yeah. anniversary things, and I think my very first year is, is a memory of mine where uh-huh. we had to win four straight to be 500, and we won our four straight to end 500, and that was incredible, an incredible feat. Um the 2017 rallying and, and uniting for a national championship in the first school history. So I'm not telling you a game. I guess I'm telling you a season. Um, and then the 2013 team was just a, a special group of young women mm-hmm. to coach because of, of, oh, my gosh, their competitiveness, their work ethic. It was just off the charts, top to bottom. Yeah, it's not like you didn't have success winning a national championship or anything. Um, this program's been, you know, in the national conversation at all times, and that's what I think is most impressive, is that you've been able to keep this program without winning. You don't have to win national titles every year. You know, you don't have to be in the Final Four every year. I think you guys have stayed in the national conversation for just how consistent you have been, and that's tough to do in this day and age. I remember Nancy Faye saying it gets tougher to recruit because there's, as she put it, more little girls who want to play basketball. You guys still stay in the fray despite the ever-changing of recruiting. That's got to be tougher and tougher every year. You know, it, it is. It is the, the grind. The biggest grind is can you fill another class again? And that's been difficult. And I think the other thing that's difficult, and I remember talking to Coach Faye about it a couple of years ago, is, you know, sometimes those players aren't staying on your roster for four years. Oh, um, true. Because it's tough. You know, a basketball season is, is really, I think, a, a difficult task and you throw in these young women who want to excel at everything they want to do, right? It's academically, and they want that internship, and they want that med school or law school or whatever it is. And, and you know, sometimes we're the victim of that. And that uh, we're a little bit in that cycle right now where, you know, we have that just that one senior because a couple of those kids dropped off. And it does impact you before you can kind of hopefully stabilize things again. Well, pretty darn impressive, Coach. Congratulations. Uh, and, of course, an undefeated season for a national title. That's something worth hanging his hat on as well. But 600 wins, good start to the season as well this year. I appreciate the time you took to join us to chat. Good luck against Wittenberg and Oberlin this week, uh, and good luck the rest of the season. I know we'll be keeping an eye on the Tigers. By the way, give give my give my buddy over there in the men's office a little hard time for me. Do you mind? <laughs> I got you covered for sure. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, in the meantime, we always give the coach a final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuning in? Hey, I just want to thank you for the work that you do. You know, I think there's a um, – a great brand and level of basketball at Division Three, where the student-athletes are doing it for the love of the game. 
and you keep promoing that and highlighting that, and I can't thank you enough. Well, thanks, Coach. Appreciate that. Uh, we enjoyed doing it, and we enjoyed talking, having coaches available like you to talk to about highlighting it. It would be a lot harder if you guys didn't want to call us. <laughs> so I appreciate that as well. Otherwise, it'd just be me talking into a camera. No one wants to see that. Uh, thanks for taking the time. Good luck the rest of the way. Have a great holidays, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Chris Huffman joining us from DePaul. You know what's significant about Coach Huffman's history there? She took over a program that was 7-17 and in 1992-93. They were 12-12 and after that. She had one, folks, she had one losing season in the next year, 94-95. After that, she hasn't had double-digit losses. Okay? So she takes over 93-94, 12 and 12 94 95, they're 10 and 14. The next year, 95 96, they're 19 and 7, and they haven't had less. They haven't had less than 19 wins the rest of the way. That is stellar. Stellar when you think about it. And as she said, multiple conferences. So, congratulations uh, to Coach Huffman and the program. And certainly impressive to say to say the least for what they have done there. Seven hundred and seventeen victories in total in DePaul history. Well, that's no, that's seventeen. Hold on, I'm I'm off. Let me add. Let me add that. Seventeen hundred. Uh, Seven hundred and twenty-one victories in total. Seven hundred and twenty-one victories in total. Six hundred of them are with Chris Huffman. Very impressive program at DePaul, to say the least. By the way, I forgot we mentioned Coach LaHaye. Uh, earlier at Randolph-Macon, I forgot she broke the all-time record for wins in the conference at 612. She did that a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, we already knew she was a pretty darn coach, but she just broke the conference, the old Dominion Athletic Conference's record for 612 victories uh, all-time. That's also pretty darn good at Randolph-Macon women's basketball. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll give you the sights and the sounds of a unique basketball game. Wisconsin River Falls taking on St. Thomas at a football stadium? The first ever game at U.S. Bank, the first ever basketball game played at U.S. Bank Stadium. We'll bring you the sights and sounds of that. Plus ahead, Ryan Scott joins me in our we'll break out the double, the top 25 double take. You'll listen to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. More Hoopsville after this. I coined my definition of success in 1934. My definition of success is peace of mind attained only through self-satisfaction and knowing you made the effort to do the best of which you're capable. It's like reputation and character. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and play college and pro ball. I play because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. Something I discovered in myself is that if I have a goal, then I can accomplish it. It's a well-rounded experience. At a Division three school, you primarily a student athlete, so the school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. 
Welcome back to Hoop. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Uh, great show here on this Monday afternoon. Appreciate you all taking the time to join us on our Monday special here. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville, where we're simulcasting the game here. Um, or the show. It's a show. I'm tweeting about a game. Hold on. Let me finish this tweet. There we go. So coming up, Ryan Scott will join us. We'll do our double top 25 double take to some degree. Not as in-depth as we normally do. We're still two weeks or going into our second week here. We don't want to go too far off the rails. Um, but we will dive in a little bit to it and look at some of the things that are going on that we're trying to figure out as we vote in the top 25 this evening. Uh, if you got questions for us, we told you how to get a hold of them. One unique, great opportunity that some student-athletes had was the first ever game to be played at U.S. Bank Stadium. Now, this is the football field, football stadium in Minneapolis, Minnesota, for the Minnesota Vikings. You might know it, hosting the last Super Bowl. Well, the Final Four is headed to that gym, and you need to test things out. you got to make sure everything's working correctly, right? Of course you do. Well, how do you do that? Well, let's put a basketball game together earlier in the season. Okay, well, usually that involves D1s. Well, it did. It did involve a D1. But it was a doubleheader that involved a D3, and the first game ever played featured Wisconsin River Falls against the Tommies of St. Thomas. Not too shabby. And then... Somehow we were able to get our own Pat Coleman to take a slight break from football. This was on Friday evening. He took a slight break from football to head to U.S. Bank Stadium to check out the, uh, the atmosphere, the game, and he gives us the sights and sounds. We'll also hear from head coach uh, Johnny Tower at St. Thomas, but this is literally the sights and sounds. You're just going to get to sit back and enjoy listening to this game. When you talk about perceptually what you're dealing with, it was really nice to get in last night and then again this morning to, to work on our shot. I took a few jumpers and tried to crank it up a little bit and made a few and missed a lot. But our kids, uh, I think they responded really well to the, you know, just the, the different atmosphere, the background. I mean, it's 70,000 seats, but not a lot of them are full. And so just dealing with all of that, um, when the game starts, it's about focusing on 94 by 50 feet and and I thought our kids did that uh, very, very well. Well, to be a part of this, I think, is special. It's really. You know, the Final Four is a, an, an historic event, and to be a part of this, I think part of it was St. Thomas and the, you know, the way we're viewed in the community, and I think that, uh, you know, our, when they first asked us, our players were certainly excited, probably a little anxious to play in this environment, and, um, you know, it was nice to have a nice turnout from our alumni and fans. Well, River Falls is really tough, and every time I thought they cut it to five points, 
I thought our kids responded, and a lot of that is just trusting themselves, trusting their teammates, because uh, it never got to a one-possession game. And uh, I mean, I, Jeff does a tremendous job. I think they're one of the better teams in the country, and, and probably the toughest conference in the country. And so I just thought our kids were tough-minded. You know, we have some veterans. We're also playing a lot of young kids, and I thought they just all really came together and uh, and played tough and together. Well, Connor can get up. Uh, I, I think the thing, he missed some shots early, and I was really proud of him because I didn't think his confidence wavered, and he really played tough-minded, probably as much as anything. The little things, the intangibles, his defense and ball screens tonight I thought was as good as anything he did. And he's worked very hard for four years, and so to what? see seniors come through like that, he was a freshman on our national championship team and didn't play at all on that team. And so to see guys sort of have the fruits of that labor, uh, I know he, he's very pleased, and I know the alums that mentored him when he was a freshman, they're, they're feeling great for him too. I mean, that's those are the plays tonight to have 10 blocks. I don't know if we've ever had a guy with 10 blocks. And, um, you know, those were, I didn't, quite frankly, we missed a free throw, 20 seconds left, then we turned it over. So we had a chance twice for two for ones and shot ourselves in the foot. And so that was, I thought, a big momentum thing. We went in the locker room up 10, but we were getting killed on the glass. We were getting killed at the free throw line. And, uh, and so I think our guys felt good that if we could play with the same energy and effort, um, we'd be in a decent position. Yeah, I mean, we're coming off for us a season that we're not thrilled about, and I think that left a taste in our guys' mouth. Uh, but they're really good teams in our conference. We've played one game so far. We turn right around and play Bethel on Wednesday, who uh, has outstanding talent and is really well coached. So, yeah, this is one of 25 games. We get to enjoy this, but then it's back into Mayak play, and uh, our guys are really eager and excited uh, to take a crack at uh, competing for a title. Pretty cool experience, if I do say so myself, for those teams. Uh, Stevens Point, or Stevens Point, St. Thomas won that game by 15, 85, 70 in the end. Um, thanks to Pat Coleman for getting that for us. Thought it was a neat opportunity to, to get the the firsthand look at that game from uh, right there at at, at midcourt, especially. Um, you talk about shooting lines. We talk about it all the time. Remember when we go down to Salem. We would talk about the shooting lines. We're going to be talking about it in Fort Wayne because I'm sure there's going to be some differences about the shooting lines. We talk about it in Vegas, though, to a lesser degree now. But there's different shooting lines when you come to the event in Vegas. Teams have to adjust to those. Talk about shooting lines. Those are some shooting lines. I'm still – I went to the Final Four in Atlanta and having covered sports as a producer, a television producer, and continue as a as a producer and director and all that jazz – I am still amazed at some of the shooting lines these these players have to deal with. Uh, as cool as the Final Fours are, um, at least in terms of 70,000 people and right in the middle of a football field, et cetera, I think sometimes it does a detriment to the game when you've got shooting lines that are insane. That said, usually the very well done and in, in being not, you know, being dark in the backlighting, <clears throat> and thus it's not like you're looking at something that is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of feet away. I, I suspect when that dark lighting is 
and and the black is put in so no one can see that maybe those shooting lines are a little bit better than it seems, but still pretty impressive. But congratulations, very fun to see that. And I thank Pat Coleman again. Thank uh, John Tower for taking part. Great look at that game uh, that took place on Friday with, again, St. Thomas winning it over River Falls. And as he said, they got a big game coming up on Wednesday against Bethel. Going to take a break. When we come back, Ryan Scott joins us. We'll do our, our top 25 double take. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. More Hoops Hope when we return. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State. Won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us. To look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us. All of us. To, to stop, stop sexual, sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this special Monday edition. If you happen to be tuning into the archives, thanks for watching this on demand or listening to the podcast. We appreciate it. Hopefully this podcast is up right after the show concludes. If not, just bear with us, You may, or you have, I guess. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Covering all the bases as best we can. I know we're streaming in multiple locations, and we appreciate everybody taking the time to join us. And uh, hope you're enjoying it with us as well. All right, so we have a segment on the show that we, we break out on occasion. It's the Top 25 Double Take. We haven't really broken it out this year, and, and this won't, won't be its full packaged version like we normally do. Uh, but we do want to get an idea of what's going on in the Top 25 especially ahead of what will be a um, new Top 25 this evening. So joining us on the Skype hotline is our buddy Ryan Scott, sir. Welcome in. And and I guess the first thing I should say is um, I was a little busy with some soccer. Did I miss anything? Yeah, there's just a, there are a few <laughs> games uh, this, this weekend, Dave. I think we had, uh, especially on Saturday, about 200 games for both the men and the women. So That's it? Uh, 
You might have you might have missed that. There was this little overtime game on the men's <laughs> side between Augustana and and uh, Stevens Point. I don't know if you. I, I did catch that one. I did catch okay. that one. That was a heck of a game and a heck of a finish. Yeah, and I think uh, I mean obviously one team had to lose that, but I think both teams gained there. Uh, people weren't sure what to expect out of Stevens Point. Um, you know, one of their big players coming back from injury. And Augustana maybe has not played the first couple games as well as we would have expected them to. And and both teams really shined in that one. So Stevens Point lost, but I wouldn't expect him to drop very far in the rankings. Yeah, I would agree with you there. I think that's one of those where an expected loss maybe is the better way of describing it, uh, to be sure. I, I, Jeez, Ebel hitting the layup and then getting the steal to, end, to ice that game was pretty darn impressive. I don't know if I was ticking off my wife or not as I sat there watching it with the volume a little bit low. While we were watching something on television, I had it on my phone in front of me. Uh, she gets used to me doing that, but it doesn't mean she was thrilled. Um, that was right before I left. Obviously, some good games over the weekend. Again, we kind of nicknamed the show Carnage Continues. There's a lot of losses. Swarthmore took two losses, both on buzzer beaters to Hopkins and F&M. Granted, those are the two toughest teams in the conference. But are we maybe mislooking, misunderstanding a few of these squads like Swarthmore and and others that, oh, gee, I mean, Wheaton jumps into the top 25 and immediately takes two losses, including one to North Park. Is our, are we overreacting this season? Yeah, I mean, for me personally, I think I think Swarthmore is not playing as well as I would have expected them to at this point. Um, even if they had won both of those games with you know a similar score, I probably would have been dropping them down a little bit. They haven't quite figured out uh, the depth yet. They brought in some really good freshmen, but they lost three seniors, and that's a big leadership problem. They didn't bring in a, a replacement big, so they're really working on two post players now. Mm. Um, and and they're in a tough conference. They lost those games. It's got to be heartbreaking. But but they're maybe more like a number twenty team as opposed to a what are they number eight last week? Yeah, um, they were. Um, I feel like they were too high at eight. I, I thought a lot of teams were. Uh, Williams jumped to two. Hamilton jumped to three. I know they're undefeated, but I haven't seen anything that jumps out at me about those programs that makes me think they're that high. But everybody else has also taken taken a blemish. That's where I'm wondering if we are reacting to losses. I mean, I expect teams to lose, don't you? Uh, yeah, and and you know, I would expect Swarthmore to drop pretty considerably. Um, I'm worried they may drop out entirely. Uh, mm. The way that people have been reacting, you know, last week we saw Wheaton hop in to to the rankings essentially with one good win. And then had two pretty bad losses this yeah. week. Uh, same thing. Pomona Pitzer beat Whitman, um, jumped right in, and they lost. It was at Wash U, but still, um, you know, I, I wasn't sure that just beating Whitman is is enough uh, of a resume to get them them into the top twenty-five. He is Ryan Scott. I'm Dave McHugh. Hope you're enjoying this one. If you got questions for us, email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Tweet us at d3hoopsville. Hashtag hoopsville. I usually have that scrolling at the bottom of the screen for whatever reason, just haven't had it running. Let's get it up and running just in case it helps people. Um, what else did I miss? And, and, and I say that a little bit of tongue-in-cheek since I try and keep track. But what else jumped out at you in the past week? Well, I will just mention real quick because I'm big on, on looking at records. Um, Marcos Echeverria from uh, yep. Nichols got his 2,000th point on Saturday. Uh, which is, you know, with the way that he scores, going to put him in, in place to be maybe one of the top five to ten all-time D3 scorers by the end wow. of this year. 
Um, he's also, which is interesting, flying up the rankings for three-pointers made. Um, oh. He's only got one or two more games, and he'll be the highest three-pointers made ever who didn't play in a, in a system team. Everybody above him will be Grinnell or Redlands. True. That's an interesting point. Wow. So, uh, he is a top-notch three-point shooter. Uh, just thought I'd recognize that. And then the other one, Aston Francis, got his 1,500th point. He did not play in D3 his freshman year, so he did that in three years so far. He, he could be just the fourth uh, player in the last 20 years or so to hit 2,000 points in three years. That's impressive, to say the yeah. least. Um, <laughs> that's 2,000 points and then 1,500 points from Francis in his junior year. Yeah. I mean, he, I, don't know if he, I don't know if he gets to 2,000. I think conferences are going to slow – the conference teams are going to slow him down a little bit. But yep. he could break yep. into 2,000 early next year. Well, he's a senior. He 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 oh, played right. at junior college his fresh his first year. So this is that. his last year. But uh, it'll be interesting to at least follow and see if he can yeah. get to the two thousand by the end of the season. Maybe he'll have the uh, the urge to do it since he's closing in. By the way, Ira Thor tuning in. I miss you too, Ira. Feels like I haven't seen you in forever either. I mean, it's only been thirty six hours. <laughs> uh, we'll see each other at the D three Hoops dot com Classic in Vegas as well. Um. The, the game at U.S. Bank Stadium was kind of cool and unique. Did you get a chance yeah. to take it in from your vantage point? Uh, I watched a, a little bit of the the, um, the webcast, the, the stream there. Um, it, it's a, an awesome experience to be able to play in, in a place like that. And I think it also speaks to St. Thomas and the, the reputation that True. the school has, that they were invited to be a part of that. Um, True. And I also think cool, it speaks to why we don't do that arena as it were for final fours um you know in atlanta we were in a different arena well ten thousand in that arena feels great eleven thousand which apparently was there for that game because it was part of a doubleheader with minnesota and uh oklahoma state uh, eleven thousand feels like it's empty <laughs> in comparison well, yeah i mean i'm never a fan of a basketball game in a football stadium i just yeah, I, yeah. I mean even when i've been to to syracuse when they they kind of take up the end of the football stadium and and yeah off, it's still i mean you got to have twenty thousand people in there to really even make that anything and i'm glad when we do the the combined championships that it's not in the big stadium that the d2 and the d3 takes place i agree with you entirely um interesting matchups coming up this week we're seeing more and more teams willing to to battle each other early in the seasons which has helped raise sos numbers i'm going to get to that little tidbit about SOSs in a minute but you know these teams are no longer shying away from each other or maybe they finally got the memo and they know they should play it won't hurt them that much but you know what this is kind of turned into a you know i'll admit there was this was a time of year there were times where i just kind of went okay listen i can take a breather before we get into january i can watch some things but not really pay attention i'll know what's going on because not a lot's happening there aren't any big there's a lot of big games this time of year now yeah, I'm noticing that this year. Just usually there'd be only maybe two or three nights a week that you'd want to spend a couple hours watching games, and now it seems like there's one every single night that you you at least are interested in seeing um, how the teams perform or, mm -hmm. or what the results are going to be. Especially if it's men or the women's side. Even tonight, usually Monday's a good off night, but there's two great women's games going on uh, tonight. Especially, I think it's Thomas Moore's at Chicago. Um, yep. You know that's a four and five. You don't want to miss that game at all. No. Um, I'm going to start apologizing to the wife who might be listening now. 
Um, I might have that on the phone or computer while we're watching television tonight. Of course, the first full or first foolish night that the family gets to see me in half a week. Um, that's also kind of fun, admittedly. And and the other thing is they're playing a little bit deeper. There's a quirk of this calendar. We're going to see good games all the way up until about midway through that week before Christmas, which will keep us on our toes. I mean, I'll admit, behind the scenes, folks, Ryan will also be messaging in our Slack channel about games, and I'll sit there going, oh, I totally, darn it, <laughs> I forgot <laughs> I was going to take the night off and chill. Uh, and just come back and catch scores later. And now I, now I really should be paying attention. Um, women's side, some good games coming up as well. Women, I don't see a lot of top 25 changes. Not as many losses. Bowden's going to stay number one. Hope, St. Thomas, Thomas Moore, Chicago. I am surprised that Amherst fell all the way to seven. But maybe that's the, the voters finally saying, listen, your reputation's one thing, but you're showing some flaws. Um but East Texas Baptist is nine. How about that? You know, there's some good movement in the women's side. This is getting deeper and more fun to watch. I don't know if you've had a thought of that on the women's side. Um, I mean, with the Amherst one, I, their big strength has been the, the consistency, right? <clears throat> they they always perform the same way, and the only way you beat them is if you manage to grab one or two extra buckets. And the way that they lost that game wasn't that. And they showed, you know, the consistency might be something they're struggling with this year. And so I could see dropping them down. Um, even the losses that happened, half of them were to other ranked teams. True. So um, there may be a little bit of movement there. Um, I do think there are a number of teams knocking on the door. Um, and I hope the voters are willing to consider maybe moving a team out, moving a team in when there haven't been losses, just if uh, victories and, and the way teams are playing dict- you know, no, dictate that and move in that direction. Uh, it's not something we've seen from the women's side, but, but hopefully they'll be looking in that direction. On the men's side... Buckle up. Um, I agree. I don't think Stevens Point takes a hit. But here, I'm going to segue into this one. Wittenberg's sitting at seven. I have them six. No, hold on. No, six. Uh, I had thought they were going to be a pretty good team this season. I'm now hearing some from some that maybe I had them overranked, and I, was, I had them confused with something else. We do get a question from Ryan Winnable, who's probably tearing up his top 25 ballot right now. Your thoughts on the arrangements and depth of the Great Lakes region this year on the men's side. I'll give you a chance to think about it while I answer. I'm more confused about the Great Lakes side on the men's side, I think, this this year than ever before. Because I don't feel maybe, in reality, there's any real heavy hitters. I've got Wittenberg high, but I'm I'm seriously second-guessing that. Marietta looks good, but how many times has Marietta looked good and then faltered on us? Um, John Carroll's already shown flaws. Um, Hope is not, I mean, let's be blunt, Hope in the MIAA is not as strong as it's, as it's been in the past. And I don't know the reasons why, but I, I don't feel like the, the Great Lakes is a juggernaut. And as a result, we're going to also get some really outstanding games all season long. Yeah, I think you'll have some surprises there. Uh, might not just be the teams that you expect at the top. Um, you know, some of those conferences have been very top-heavy, and you mm-hmm. sort of do a night-to-night what the conference results would look like. Um, you're not going to have that. I'm sure Ryan asked because Marietta's looked outstanding. They uh, have. At the start of the season, and they're going to be shooting up this top 25 um, right now. They they made Wittenberg look a little silly, and they, they beat John Carroll at John Carroll. Yeah. Um, and they always have a strong team, a good coach. Um, you know, they're looking good. Here's one I'm going to throw at you as I was looking through all the teams for my ballot. 
Um, watch out for LaRoche. Really? Uh, so early on, one of my sleepers was Penn State Baron. Yes. Um, Penn State Baron took a loss to LaRoche the other day, mm -hmm. and, and that was disappointing to me. So I look up LaRoche. They've only played four games so far. Right. They're three and one. Their loss, though, opening night at the Marietta tournament, which you know is a crazy experience to be a visitor. True. They lost by four points to that Marietta team. That's that's really hmm. running it up. Um, take out the Baron team. Um, you know, that's two pretty good performances early on. So we're talking Great Lakes, and we don't know exactly who's going to be at the top. That might be a sneaky one. You just wanted to talk about LaRoche, which there's a backstory, folks. Um, I've been doing this show for 16 seasons. I've been covering Division Three basketball since the late 90s. It's been LaRoche, LaRoche, LaRoche. I've had LaRoche on the show. No one has corrected me ever. Oh, are we supposed to start correcting your pronunciations now? People always do. Okay. And I don't oh, mind no. that. But it's always been LaRoche. I'm want listening to a Cubs-Pittsburgh Pirates game on the radio, and it's Pirates Radio because I'm listening on a Sirius XM. And they go to commercial break, sponsored by LaRoche. I'm like, oh, my gosh, the play-by-play -play guy screwed that up. I can't believe it. Wait, I'm listening to the commercial. They said LaRoche. Wait, what? It's LaRoche? It's LaRoche. Um, folks, I've been doing this show for 16 years. There isn't one year we don't mention that school. Not once has anybody told me it's not LaRoche. It's LaRoche. LaRoche. Sorry, I'm just getting that off my chest. You just wanted to mention them for that reason. I digress. Uh, no, listen, they were, I noticed that, those results too, and because they didn't have a lot, I've been scratching my head. The Marietta one is interesting because I decided to hold off ranking Marietta this week or last week because I saw what they had ahead of them in, in Wittenberg, and I wanted to see that result first to see if the smoke and mirrors was legit. And I don't well, mean smoke and mirrors in a negative way. I just mean if you know I couldn't get a read on it. I'm putting Marietta in, but now I got to go look back and go, well, do I need to start considering LaRoche too? Because you're right. That, that, they're, that's an interesting dynamic there, to say the least. Well, it, Marietta does actually have smoke and mirrors as part of their pregame. That's uh, true. <laughs> well done. So, what we, well done. I, mean, I did the same thing, and that's why I think they're going to shoot up the rankings because I didn't have them ranked at all last week. I wanted to wait and see the results this week, but I put them at number 12. So, I mean, that's a ton of points just from wow. me. Anyone else like you and me who is going from zero to yeah. something. Well, that's like what I did to Wheaton and Loris. I put them 12-13 last week. Yeah, that might have been an overreaction. There. Yeah, it's, it was definitely an overreaction. <laughs> right here, this guy, we talked about overreactions. He overreacted on Wheaton and Loris. Um, yeah, I mean, the one thing I'm confident about with Marietta is I know the guys on the team. They've, they've been there and they've been on the floor for a number of years now. Um, and so last year, I felt like they should have been better than they were. Um, Agreed. So when they're actually having results, I'm 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 a little more comfortable because you kind of know who you you're dealing with. Your point there about them should have been better than they were is what's in my head, and I'm sitting there going, "Okay, are we just going down this road again?" Where I see a bunch of great results, and I think to myself, "Yeah, this isn't going to pan out. Why Why am I wasting my time?" Um, but that went over Wittenberg, but it also has me thinking, okay, did I completely over buy in to, to Wittenberg this year? And I've been told that maybe I did. I knew what they lost, but I was under the impression that this was the year they kind of were keying on, not last year. And if they were keying on this year, then they're good. But 
they've been showing even in some losses that they got some flaws. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's early. We we never know. We'll see. <laughs> How much? By the way, the wife is listening to the show. Hi, honey. Oh man, tangent much is what I get for a text message. Um, welcome to Hoopsville. It's full of tangents. Um, are we so? Are we overbuying on on Wittenberg? Are we under buying on on Marietta? Where's the sweet spot in this? Um, Wittenberg, uh, they lost a big center. You was a seven foot senior. Um, there's going to be some issues the next year. That's all I got to say. Okay. Um, I saw them last year at the opening weekend at Marietta, and my initial reaction was, I'm I'm putting them at the top of my preseason ballot for the 2019-2020. It was next year that I was thinking they'd be really, really good. <laughs> so I imagine that's the kind of team that's going to be up and down this year. A ton of talent, but not a lot of experience yet. Um, as a great coach, I really I believe in that team, and I think they can do well. I'm just not sure we'll see consistency from them this year. Um, by the way, I just saw an article today. What was it? $55 million financial impact to the community surrounding Marietta from the school, from the athletics department. That's that's huge. Yeah, I, I'm, it's, a, it's a town that is not necessarily built around the school, but the school is a pretty major part of it. It's a cool little place there in the literally in the middle of nowhere. It's like three yeah. hours from an airport, which, you know, maybe out West, that's not a big deal, but, uh, in Ohio that is. And, uh, you know, that place just, it's an awesome experience to be there. And I'm sure Ryan got us talking about it and it's great that we're, we're pumping up the alma mater for, for Whitnable there, but, um, it, so if it they really make 56 cool million send some our way. <laughs> <laughs> How do you keep from overreacting? Um, honestly, during these first weeks in the season, I don't go back to my previous week's ballot. I go to our conference page that we have at d3hoops.com, and I start at the top, and I open the first conference, and I look at the teams and the records, and I, I click on the ones that have the best records, and I see who they've played. And I start that way every week, probably through Christmas to just make sure that I'm looking at the full body of work for every team um, and not just the what happened last week. I like that. And then once we get into January, February, usually you start to get a handle on who the teams are and you can begin to adjust them from there, um, mostly because by January and February, I don't have enough time to do that every week. True. Um, but I, I try to, to, to look at the full body of work because I believe that's what I'm ranking. I'm ranking what the team has done in the season so far. And obviously earlier in the year, one win or one loss makes more of a difference than it does at the end. But, um, I, I try to keep the whole picture in mind. Interesting. Keep that one in mind. Appreciate the time, sir. As always here on a Monday, especially, um, I know we got the top 25 coming out, which reminds me, got to get off the show so I can do mine before I got to get to a doctor's appointment. And then I got to be Mr. Mom. I'm not forgetting the kids, honey. Um, and then, uh, and, and before our deadline tonight. Uh, so mm. we got to get going. But any final thoughts you want to share with those uh, tuning in today? Um, I was going to bring up Brandeis. We didn't Go talk about it. Brandeis. Uh, they've been kind of an also-ran in the UAA for a, a few years now. Contentious coaching change. Yeah. Um, but they're like 7-1. and one. They beat Babson, which is a good, not great team, yesterday very handily. 
Um, you know, we don't know what's happening in the UAA, but I don't think we thought Brandeis would be happening. So that's an interesting story. Yeah, nice hire there. I really like that hire. And I know talking to some coaches, they like that hire. It was a hire that was maybe forced by the by others. Uh, it was supposed to be an interim gig this year. I'm under that full impression. And it got changed due to some pressure, I believe. And I think they made a good hire. Hey, speaking of which, you had a great article about surviving the last-minute change, talking about Salisbury uh, and trying primarily, you know, Brandeis a little bit of a last-minute change as well. You got some good insight there. Uh, if people haven't read about it, that that's an interesting topic as well. Yeah, uh, I I thought it went really well, especially the the candor uh, that especially the Salisbury guys had in talking about that situation. Of course, they are very vocal uh, with Coach Sachs being let go and um, them trying to fight for his job. But uh, just a, a really interesting team. I got to see in person last week. Um, sadly, they were number twenty six on my ballot this week. I didn't find a way to fit them on there, but. Um, a, a good story to watch and how they recover from, from that. And, and they're really working together to, to um, have a really great season. And it's ahead of expectations so far. Yeah, I'll be fascinated to see how those two teams progress out from there. Hey, sir, thanks as always for joining me. I appreciate the time and uh, look forward to talking to you down the road. And uh, I guess your ballot's done. Do you want to go do mine for me? Yeah, sure, if you want. <laughs> Don't tempt me. I also am very afraid of what it might look like in comparison to what I was thinking in the first yeah, If your part. name's on it, I'm going to have some fun with it. Yeah, that's what I'm worried about. <laughs> hey, bud, thanks so much for taking the time. I'll talk to you soon. All right, bye. Ryan Scott joining us on the uh, Skype hotline, as it were. I uh, appreciate him taking the time. Love having the double take with him. We'll do that more often as we move forward throughout the season. Uh, also have Bob Quillman and others on the show. This show will twist and tweak and et cetera as we go through December, as we find a, a sweet spot before we hit January. With that, we got to get going. I do have a doctor's appointment I need to get to, and we want to turn the podcast around. I also have a top 25 I need to vote on, um, and so on and so forth. So thanks for tuning in on this special afternoon edition, midday edition of Hoopsville. I want to thank our guests who came on, including uh, Mark Morefield at... Um, at uh, <laughs> UMHB women's basketball, uh, Josh Merkel at Randolph-Macon uh, men's basketball, and, of course, Chris Huffman at DePaul women's basketball. Thanks to Pat Coleman's um, Sight and, S and Sounds of St. Thomas versus River Falls at U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis. And thanks to Ryan Scott for joining us. Also, thanks to the sports information directors at all three schools, uh, John at Mary Harden-Baylor, Phil at Randolph-Macon, <clears throat> and uh, Bill, as always, at... Um, at uh, DePaul, and we appreciate you tuning in. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back Thursday night, 7 o'clock Eastern time, as we normally do. Back on the air as our normal schedule the rest of December. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville, email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Uh, wife says, have fun at the dentist. Oh, I'm going to have a blast at the dentist. Um, and we appreciate you joining us as well. That's it for Hoopsville for this Monday edition. You've been listening to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. We appreciate our partners in D3Hoops.com, the Women's Basketball Coaches Association, National Association of Basketball Coaches, and, of course, many others to come. We keep promising. We've now given you hints of more partnerships to come. We appreciate them as well. If you like to re-air or do whatever with this program in any way, shape, or form, we're happy, but please... Contact us first. Get permission from myself at DMAC Productions and Hoopsville. 
make sure you can do so just so that we know it's being used in the proper ways. And with that, I bid you adieu. Have a good rest of your day, everybody.